When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Welcome to Footballistically Arsenal, um, the country's leading Arsenal podcast that has predictions every week of what's going to happen in the next game, even though it's completely meaningless. I'm Boyd Hilton. I'm joined by sidekick, sidekick, Josh Landy. Hi, Josh. Hi, Boyd. We've had small technical issues uh, over the we last have. few minutes, but we're hoping that will be the end of it now. We don't want to bore the listeners with our technical issues, but um, because... We're coming to you on Monday, the twenty-first uh, of September, seven fifteen PM, and we've just—I've just heard the historic, joyous Arsenal breaking news. I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm sure you are, because your finger is on the nub of all things Arsenal. That we've made the huge signing of Alex Runarsson. Woo! I had seen the uh, the big news. I mean, some people were trying to tune in to see the latest on on COVID and what the scientists were saying. But yeah. those of us yeah. like me and you were more interested in our new Icelandic number two. Yeah. And in other uh, Arsenal-related goalkeeping news, Emmy Martinez has saved a penalty this evening. Are you aware of this? Yeah, I mean, he's um, obviously making his uh, his debut, isn't he, for, for Aston yeah. Villa? And, uh, was it from yeah. Lundstrom? From Lundstrom, I think right? so. Yeah, yeah. So it's all happening in Arsenal goalkeeping world. But there's much more than that to discuss. And um, to talk about our uh, triumphant victory over West Ham and much more is the glorious Ollie Shorts, chocolate magnate, new father <laughs> and um, Arsenal podcast legend. Hi, Ollie. Hi, Boyd. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. How old is your is your baby? I wouldn't say new father. I'd say yeah, father of an eight, 19 months, you nineteen month oh. old daughter. So um, oh. we're put, putting her to bed, and uh, hopefully uh, my wife will do a good job and, and not come and interrupt this wonderful podcast. <laughs> Let's hope so. Um, thanks, Ollie. And we're joined by the uh, another Austin podcast legend, Gareth the Bear Parker. Hello, Gareth. Hi, Boyd. Hi, everyone. I mean, I, I'm I'm no chocolate magnate. I'm no I'm not glorious or whatever. I mean, I'm 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 already hurt. I'm or, I'm already hurt in here. Well, but, uh, I, I think I'll call you a legend. Right, right. I think I'll you a legend, Gareth. Um, I mean, you know, that's over overused that word though. It's it's lost its impact. Uh, ledge. Anyway, how would you? How would I describe no, myself? Don't. Yeah. How would you like to be described in an ideal world? 
you know what? Um, a girl once said to me that there was absolutely no mystery about me. So mysterious. I'd like, I'd like to. Uh, it stuck with me that. Uh, so I started. That smoking, is. Yeah, I started smoking cheroots. Uh, didn't help. Uh, but yeah, no, I am. I'm anything. But you guys know well enough. You know, there's there is zero mystery with me. So yeah, uh, just 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 crack on. One thing I would say about the Emmy Martinez penalty save, which I was watching and I did cheer as though he because. Obviously, I think every Arsenal fan is very fond of him. Um, I was watching this before I came on, and he saved it. And it was a very good save as well. And his feet were totally on the line. And uh, I, I am, however, I th- this 18.5 million swing in reserve goalkeeper. Uh, so, I mean, there was a joke going around last week, and other people saw it, that actually Neil Morpai is, talking of legends, a bit of an Arsenal legend, because it was his... Uh, Injuring of Leno that gave Martinez a run in the team and an opportunity to grossly inflate his price tag, truth be told. And then um, also it's the last time we saw Guendouzi in an Arsenal shirt. So, yeah, Neil Morphy, Arsenal legend. Yeah. That is a good point. I like that point. That's that's very good. Um, I don't know about grossly inflated, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about Leno and... Um, and the whole team's performance against West Ham. Um, we've got uh, chance for speculation to talk about. We've got a League Cup starts this week, playing Leicester on Wednesday. We'll talk about, I want to talk about what we, who we think, what kind of team we think is going to play there. Um, and much more. But before we get onto that, I have to announce that we are back with Beer 52, um, giving us a special offer. Um, now that the football season has started all over again in earnest, um, and we can all sit here watching glorious matches day in, day out, evening in, evening out. Beer 52 are generously offering free beer while you watch your team for the comfort of your home. They are offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash Arsenal and just cover the £5.95 for the postage. That's www.beer52, as in the figures 5 and 2com forward slash Arsenal, and they'll cover and cover the £5.95 for the postage. Beer52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members, and they send a brand new case to every month. Every month's case has a different theme, things like beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, who knew? Um, and as an independent British company, Beer 50 are passionate about UK craft beer scene, which they'll continue to support during this difficult period. So finally, beer52.com forward slash Arsenal to get your first case of eight beers for 5 95 Josh, has your case of beers arrived? I mean, I don't know about a crate. Um, I've got a six pack. Well, how many would you expect in a crate, Boyd? A case, all right, a case. Eight, I think. Eight case. That's, oh, it might yeah. be an eight. You know what? I didn't. I've only. Uh, I've only had one, but it was very nice. So thank you to the uh, the good folk at Beer Fifty Two. I mean, it's nice. It feels like we're getting alternate gifts because you got sent the Manscaped, uh, which I know yep. you've been uh, using yeah. thoroughly, and I've been sent well, yeah. the uh, the beer. So I don't know what's next, um, but it's it's going to be your turn. So that's something to uh, something to look forward to, certainly. Okay, let's move on to the actual game, the actual Arsenal game. So um, obviously, we won, we beat West Ham, um, but I think we can safely say it wasn't the greatest performance in the history of football. Gareth, um, I'm going to come to you. Was that? Do you think that was a blip? That is understandable, considering, especially when you bear in mind that the preparation for that game was marred by the fact that Tierney, who is, I would say, our best defender, um, was ruled out with a, with, a, with a surprise injury in, in, uh, the, in, the, in the warm-up. And then he brought in um, Kolasinac, who is still pretty shit. And that ruined everything? Not or is blaming everything on that unfair? No, I'd say Kolasinac is quite not fit for purpose, is a nice way of putting it. But um, I think, obviously, that was... Part of a blip was down to that injury. And it's interesting how Tierney's role, how important he is already in this system when actually it's not his natural position. Um, And I think that it was funny that that was one of the things people jumped on. I think, I mean, I, I look at the wider picture, to be honest. You look at the inconsistent performances of all teams pre this early in the season. There's been no proper pre-season. Um, I spent an inordinate amount of time laughing at Man United on Saturday night for what was 
beyond lethargic and without any sort of tempo to it, a performance there. And I I guess that's it. We've almost forgotten because we ended, cup-wise at least, we ended last season so well, which was, what, 23 minutes ago. And you think, oh, we'll just roll straight into this. But there was there was a small break. There was There's definitely a feeling of starting a season in this sort of crowdless stadiums. And you think, well, they got used to that. Well, actually, watching the, the Liverpool-Chelsea game yesterday, again, it felt like it was dialed down a little bit. And I think that a game like um, our game on Saturday night, with the crowd, with the atmosphere, with there would have been a bit more reaction to the team, maybe. I think there was definitely something missing. But what I actually found, it, and it's clearly that Arteta found it particularly pleasing from his reaction at the final whistle. We didn't play well. And I'm not going to go with the kind of the lazy adage of like, when a, when teams win and don't play well, that's a sign of a, let's not get ahead of ourselves either, title winning team. But you know what I mean? You always hear this. Yeah. Actually, what I'd, what I'd say is, and I'm going to bring Spurs into this early as well, in a negative way, you'll be pleased to know, that obviously they've got two or three phenomenal players that on, whenever it was, Sunday lunchtime, turned the game for them. They did that. And that used to be our thing. We used to hang in games long enough, particularly under Emery, where we would wait and wait, and then Aubameyang would do something, or someone like or Ozil, remember him, would do something. And actually now we have a plan where we were playing a particular time of football. Xhaka was actually like metronomic in midfield and it was one of the under, underrated performances on Saturday he kept the ball going those balls over the top to Aubameyang Aubameyang had a poor game and yet we won like these match winning players that we are no longer reliant on seemingly didn't have a great game and yet through system through approach the winning goal was sort of classic Arteta again that, that inside left run everything was great about it so yeah I was particularly pleased because we were a bit shit and yet we won. And I don't think this... You were very high-pitched there. We were a bit shit. All right. Um, that's just me being excited, Boyd. Um, okay. uh, I I think that that's it for me. Like, it, yeah, you don't want to see too many of those performances because then you start to worry about thin lines between success and failure. But I do think that we didn't necessarily ride our luck that much. There's one chance that Antonio got in, miskicked, went off Gabriel and fell into Lano's arms. That was good. A couple of times where Lano was a bit shaky. But actually... They were not peppering our goal. They were just, they played well. West Ham played really mm. well. And, yeah. and I think that, yeah. that we still beat them. So there's yeah. not a lot that you can say. Yes, if we see more performances like that, it would be a bit worrying. But yeah, hey, that's, it's one Oli, what did you make of the um, team selection? Because in my um, Arsenal chat, in my um, WhatsApp group, um, a, couple of, a couple of us were surprised that he changed it. You know, the, the, did he need to change it from our, you know, when you when you win your opening, I know it's only against Fulham, but when you win your opening game convincingly and you play really well and it's only the first game of the season, to then change it for the second game just because you're playing at home? What did you think about that? And the team yeah, selection I generally? Uh, I was definitely surprised. I was expecting him to play the exact same team that, that you know, won 3-0 uh, the weekend before. Um, why he did it, you know, Sure, as he talks about training during the week, has a big part to play. Everyone's, you know, allows a bit of a reset button with him. And, you know, if they've done perform well, you know, then he'll give them the chance. But it, it was something that I was, I, I thought El Nenny was fantastic against Fulham. And I felt a bit sorry for him to be replaced um, um, by Ceballos. And to be honest, you know, if you look at the performance, um, I think we were very, very lucky. And when, when, Gareth says that he didn't think that we rode our luck too much. I thought we were very lucky. I think they hit the bar. They had a chance within the first five, ten minutes that, that could have gone in. Leno, you know, if Leno had um, conceded the, the goal when he dropped the ball, I'm sure the, the world would be crumbling before, you know, everyone's eyes watching Martinez save a penalty and all that. You know, sometimes these things do go in your favour. And, um, you know, for me, I, I think it was the right decision keeping Leno as a number one. Um, but, you know, things really could have gone drastically wrong in that game. It, it reminded me of, of the bad parts at the beginning of last season when we ended up losing or drawing games. So fantastic that we changed it to a win. But we're playing against West Ham, who, were, as we know, got, had a poor game against Newcastle. And the fans are against them. Even the players are against the, the, the management of the team at the moment. 
I just I wasn't expecting the performance that West Ham put in. I thought we we should have been a lot better, a lot stronger, and slightly concerned. Um, but it is only the second game of the season. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, Josh? Because I I, I thought he could have not changed it, but then um, you think, well, what he did change was bringing in Sabios, who and Sabios and Xhaka have been our midfield central midfield pairing that that did really well, you know, certainly in the in the kind of since restart last season and helped us win the cup and all of that. Um, and he brought in Saka. So did it seem, what did you feel about the team selection and the, that, that whole issue? Look, I'm, I'm probably with Gareth on, uh, on Krasinac, but look, we've got so many different options of um, defensive units that could play this season. And, and don't forget, obviously, you know, David Luiz, whether he was only fit enough for the bench or chosen to be on the bench, there's still a you know argument that Mustafi is going to have a role playing as a centre back. So to see Kalazanac have to be uh, you know you know out out on the on the pitch in in the way that he was, and I'm not convinced he's going to get a huge amount of of game time this season. I think maybe there's a more interesting question that's going to happen at the other end of the pitch because you know Abamian Lacazette, I think there's been a question mark you know about will they both sort of start the season as, as first choice? And it very much looks that way and, and looks like a uh, the right decision, the way it's been going with Lacazette playing through the middle and Aubameyang um, playing on the left. But are we going to just now, you know, is Pepe behind Willian? It is suddenly the 72 million pound man probably not getting in our, our best 11 for, for much of a season. I think that's going to be a, a huge one to, to come on. Mm. I, I don't know. Where, where do you feel, boy? Do you feel Willian probably will get the nod more often than not again ahead of him? Well, um, not necessarily now, because I think he wasn't that great. I don't think he had a great game. I mean, no, no, not very few of our players had a particularly good game, but I did. I think William compared to the first game was not particularly good. And I would say um, gave the ball away a couple of times, I thought particularly in the first half. And so I think I think it's going to be very 50-50 between William and Pepe. Pepe came on, didn't really do much. I mean, he had a couple of runs, kind of classic Pepe style. Um, but kind of go, go, Pepe's, one of Pepe's flaws, I think, is that he gets the ball, goes on a dribbly, mesmerising run, and then just goes too far with it. You know, it's like just can't, doesn't look up and find someone to pass to quickly enough. Um, but... I think, um, I, I wonder whether Pepe might start in the, I mean, I'm sure he'll start in the League Cup game. Um, but I think he will have more starts as time goes on. And I think, you know, I think it'll be, there'll be a lot of toing and froing between the two of them. Um, but it is interesting, isn't it, Gareth, that the forward line, you've got Lacazette and Aubameyang seemingly now established that Lacazette will be central, Aubameyang out wide, that was a big question. And Lacazette, I, th- I think it was confirmed over the weekend I mean, I love him, but he's definitely in the position where they're not offering, they don't seem to be in talks for a new contract with him. Um, they don't see, he hasn't been linked with anyone particularly, well, as far as I can tell, strongly. Um, and yet he's kind of staying, and I think, and I think um, Arteta really likes him, and obviously Aubameyang really likes him. He's in a slightly weird position, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's one of those players where, I mean, I'm a huge fan of his. In fact, I've had arguments, I think, um, a couple of times uh, on the pod with people who who have spoken negatively about him. And I think actually what he gives the team Me is too. often, often un, un, undervalued. He, he actually, you hear about Firmino and Liverpool and not having him the same skill set. But I'm saying he's got the same sort of enabling ability, but he also does score goals. Um, and I think that he's good. I think there's, it's that thing about the amount of love that, players have shown I think he's shown enough love to to feel like he's part of this movement and I think that I go back to my original point about a plan and artists are playing a particular way and seeing it and and I, and I get what, what was being said earlier on about there was an element of luck but the, the, there often isn't football. I do think that we didn't suddenly start panicking we carried on playing that way of into jacket into bias the bias going beyond going back and it and it and it it worked and I'm very grateful it worked. I think with Lacazette and actually going back as well to the Pepe point, I think the words options, we've got options. And how nice is that? It's not automatically, oh, he plays because he's fit. It's not, it's an opportunity to, there'll be different teams that can like Pepe. I mean, yes, it was only against Fulham, but William was great, but not a lot was made about how electric Pepe was when he came Mm -hmm. on. And he really like, 
against a tiring team, we've got an option. Saka didn't play first game, comes in and plays well. Not not outstanding, but plays well. Another game under I understand that we are still looking for because for all these dynamic. I mean, Willian. I mean, I'm pro Willian. Anyone that knows me well actually is is was 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 guessing how giddy I'd be because he's one, always one of those players, opponents' teams who I would defend in arguments when people go, oh, he doesn't do anything. I'm like, he's just a, a glorious little footballer. And he is. And we've got him now. And that's great. He's not creative. Pepe is not creative. We do. We still are lacking a creator. We've got how do you define that, creative? He, made, he had a lot of assists last year and goals. But, but, but define no, creative. Can pick, can pick a pass that others can't. So Fabregas was creative. That's very specific. Okay. No, 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 no. I think I think being able to thread things together, like Willian is a dynamic, skillful player, and he will create opportunities by whipping crosses in. Pepe will beat four people, beat them again, and then tuck onto his left foot and whip a cross in. These are not players that can get their head up and already have that. And it's ultimately, it's processing speed in your head. It's working out all the different options and picking one that actually will unlock a defence. So Thiago has just been bought for Liverpool for exactly that purpose because that's what they were lacking. I think Ozil is the only player in our squad that has that. Obviously, he is on his way out. But I think that's why we're linked so much with, and I can't pronounce his name, and I apologise to sort of Francophiles and French people, but our, that's why we're being linked with him. See, that was yeah. bad, wasn't it? That was well, who are, who knows? Oh, I mean, who the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll learn when we sign him, right? But yeah. that's why we're being linked with him. When people are going, oh my God, we need a defensive midfielder much more. It's like, do you know what? We need create creativity because there will be games where people, West Ham didn't sit with men behind the ball. We were fortunate in a way that they were still coming onto us, leaving gaps. But there will be teams that come and sit those, those 10, 11 men behind the ball and like, right, pass through us. And that's where having te- players that can run at people, having players that can kind of be dynamic won't be enough. We'll still need that creativity. And I think that's the one thing that's lacking. But again, I started with a positive about options and now I'm ending with a negative saying, but there's still one more option but, I'd like. Funnily enough, I thought it was, I do think, Ollie, I think that this game, the game against West Ham was, was kind of weird, weird in all kinds of ways. Like it was, I felt it was like contradictory. I have contradictory feelings about the whole thing. So for example, I like talk about the midfield, right? So by Austin Shaka, again, in that, when the first half, everyone was complaining about them and saying they were, they were having a pretty shit game. In this, I think Sabayas ended up being the official man of the match. You know, and of course, even though um, creativity in midfield is an issue, he actually he ended up having some really good passes. Xhaka had one really good pass, didn't he? Um, you know, kind of showing that there are moments where both of them can be creative in their own way. Um, and then, and we and we scored a, like a really good goal in the end. I mean, we scored two goals, obviously. But so there was some. Do you know what I mean? There was. It's like almost like even though we should be signing like party or AOR or whatever, we do need creativity. Actually, we got out of. We we ended up winning that game through moments of creativity and inspiration with the existing players we've got. Yeah, you're you're right. Obviously, um, the, the two goals were fantastic. But I think the concern is. We only created two opportunities all game. Yes, and yes. you know, I thought Saka was was fantastic, instrumental in, in both goals with sort of that that pre-assist um, that people like to talk about. Um, but you know, that that I'm, I'm agree with Gareth. We we lack that creativity. We we lack that, that somebody who can, can unlock the the, the defense all throughout the last last season. I don't know what the stats are. Maybe Josh might know, but our midfielders got hardly any assists all of last season. I don't think anyone even got more than three, four. If, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but you know, it is, it is, it, that, that was scary to think. Um, and it was also, are we seeing a lot of what we, what happened last year with this West Ham game? Uh, I, I, I've said before, it's only the second game. Um, it's disappointing that against a you know, team like West Ham, we only created two, two clear cut chances. But fair play, we put them away. I think if you, on any, on another day, we might not have put them away and we, we come back and we're, you know, frustrated that we only draw um, or frustrated that we lost the game. So I guess the, the key moments in, in, in matches like that will go to define our, the rest of the season, really. Yeah. Josh, what do you think about this, this uh, the creativity well, issue? Go on. 
Well, I, I did, as Ollie alluded to there, leap to uh, get the assist statistic yes. when Gareth was earlier talking about Pepe because I, I had a feeling that Pepe was our uh, top assist getter last year and, and he actually was in the Premier League with, with six. But the fact that it was only six is is perhaps there lies the problem that it was so few. Saka got five, then, you know, Lacazette four, Aubameyang three. And then as Oli said, it's two and below, which for, you know, a club like us sort of renowned, I guess, in sort of Premier League history for perhaps, um, you know, scoring goals, if, if not being as tight defensively, sort of, you know, is also testament to um, us not doing that on the level that maybe we have, could have hoped for last year. I, I by the way, are... just, to say, just to say, sorry, it's 10 assists in all competitions, by the way. I was just talking looking. Premier League, Premier League. Sure. I think ten assists in all competitions for a player's first season is actually pretty I good. Think, isn't yeah, it? I, I think I think it's okay. It's probably you know it, Saka, it's hard Saka to criticise when he's top. Saka got more in all competitions. If we're gonna if we're gonna if we're if we're gonna okay. swing our assist sticks around, Saka okay. uh, uh, ended up with more assists in all competitions, which was an oft relayed stat because it was again a phenomenal debut campaign for him. I think yeah. Sorry to I bludgeon in sorry. there. Um, no, no, but no, we both. Uh, Carry on, carry on, Josh. Go on, Josh. Oh, it, it, look, the um, you know, I'm sure Saka probably you know got more opportunities certainly in some of, some of the cup games, poss- possibly. Anyway, it, you know, I think I agree with your wider point um, that you know if our top assist getter is six, then in the Premier League, talking across the entire season, then that that's clearly you know incredibly low and suggests that we do need someone else creative. And I suspect that our transfer business is perhaps not done, and still there's more ins and outs to take place in, in what the next two weeks. It's two weeks today, isn't it? The transfer window ends. Obviously, we've bought in a goalkeeper who we're gonna you know you've alluded to there in the start of the uh the podcast but i i suspect he he may not even be our number two i think he, he could well turn into be our our number three um boyd i, I fear as well so well yeah, he won't be yeah. helping with the uh the creativity i think we do need a player it's the only area of the, of the pitch that we you know need strengthening you know people will question are our center backs good enough but the fact is we've got way too many now there are too many combinations and options uh you've got to just back Mikel Arteta to find uh, an option with a back three, presumably, or meaning a back five with two win backs. I'd, I'd back Arteta to find it. Um, whether there's Let's one midfielder to come in, I think there is. Can we talk about the formation for a minute? Because there is also there's another um, contradiction here, isn't there? There's, in the this formation we play at the moment with the three at the back, which, which would have been Tierney, obviously, if he hadn't got injured in the warm up, and Tierney is, is proving absolutely brilliant at this formation and that he defends he he goes back and defends when when needed and then he can kind of goes into midfield and goes wide if needed and it's like he's playing in two or three positions in every game brilliantly by the way because he's so good then Kolasinac comes in you see the whole thing come well the, the flaws in that in that system but my my other my bigger point is if we do bring in this this system almost by def- definition, doesn't have space for a number. Well, it literally doesn't have space for a number ten creative player, does it? Like Özil, if they wanted, if they really wanted Özil to fit into this team, where the fuck would he play? And and I say the same, but there you are. If we buy him, and if we buy him, doesn't that because because you've got with the system at the moment, you've got Sabayas and Jacker in the middle, you've got your wing backs or whatever you want to call them, and you've got kind of the three up front at the moment with Lacazette, Aubameyang, William or Pepe. Where's AOR going to fit in there? Doesn't he have, isn't he going to have to, Gareth, ask this of you, isn't he going to have to change the formation to fit in this creative player? Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And actually looking at those back three and talking about the um, options we have there, I actually am, yeah, maybe they're not as uh, PRable as some other back lines in the Premier League, certainly with the sort of contentious nature of David Luiz in Austria. I am quite excited about seeing a back three of Tierney, Louise and Gabriel. Because I think actually there's a really lovely balance where you've got one of the best passing centre-backs in Europe in Louise. You've got a very versatile and over we do, we overload with Tierney in the attack. So everyone went wild for Sheffield United's overlapping centre-backs last year. Well, actually, this formation allows him to play a role, as you, as you rightly point out, in both halves. But I also hear what you're saying. I think that's great because actually no, none of those centre-backs, maybe with the exception of Gabriel, who we've not seen in the back four, suits a back four. And I think that in which case, and 
that maybe says a lot about the, the overall quality because Mustafi looks better in a back three. Um, holding for a look, like this, these are not players that I would be like backing in a back four. But it does mean that either we have to sacrifice one of Xhaka or Ceballos in the middle to create a creative player, which puts more onus on that other one to screen, which is neither of their four. Say Xhaka is a good metronome in midfield, but he is he, d- defensively minded. Actually, he is not. He's still an appalling tack- tackler. He um, is getting better positionally, but still we haven't. And that's obviously why we're interested in party. So you could argue actually that a party our midfield would replace our current midfield too. Because actually there's often the joke about Kante at Leicester and Chelsea at Soft was there's always, well, you can play three in midfield, but two of them are Kante. Because actually he does that role so well that you do not need to have a we maybe are looking for having someone like that that gives up that other midfield option as a more creative they don't have to do the hard jobs because Tobias gets through a lot of work. And Again, I I, I like the, the, the talk with the pre-assist earlier on. Both our goals against West Ham came from systematic passing play and going into that inside left slot. And it required a clever pass in, and it then obviously required the correct ball into to the scorer. That is what we will do. And we'll do, it's like what City do. They they are full of creative, brilliant players, but actually they play a system. And that's what we're doing. And so whoever does come in, boy, will absolutely have to, first of all, understand almost like bigger picture this is how we play and this is it is lots of passes trying to pull the teams on obviously hair raising tactics near our own goal where we're pulling defense uh, attackers on and then trying to spring them but more than anything else it will require yeah as you say like that like alchemy in the midfield to be worked out because i don't think no we're not no teams really play with a free role at number 10 anymore because the, the need for everyone to mm. put a defensive shift in or at least positionally get it right um, is, so, is so keenly felt. So, yeah, I, it's a nice problem to have. If, 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 if we get these yeah. players, it's a lovely problem to have. Yeah. Oli, Oli, what do you think about... Go on. No, no, no. I was going to agree with Gareth. That, you know, that's what the squad is, is there for. And Arteta clearly knows what he wants to do. And if he wants to bring in one or both of these players then, you know, that's his problem. Um, and we just have to enjoy it as, as the supporter. Um, and, and that's what it's all about. You know, we, we've got so many games and we really struggled, um, you know, last season with Europe and the league, Thursday to Sunday. We're going to have to interchange those players week in, week out. And I also think the other thing that we do forget is Sabahis is only on loan. So if, mm. this, if, if now's the chance to go and get Partey because next season, you know, Sabahis isn't going to come, you know, so be it. We're going to have to make that sacrifice. I I can't see how we're going to keep Sabas, you know, past this season. And I think probably Arteta knows that, but I I think we he isn't our player, and sometimes we do forget that. Right. So you, you you're saying you think he didn't if he brought um, Awar or Partey, either or either of them, you think it would be Sabas probably who who they would. They would slot into that position rather than because at the moment he's he is sticking. I mean, this this system is working really well. I mean, it didn't work quite as well against West Ham, and, and I go back to the Tierney issue. But I wonder whether he very he doesn't he's not even um, he's stuck very rigidly to it, and I think that's great that we've got this now. Very we've got an identity, and he's sticking with it. But equally, I was like, like he doesn't even change it in in, in during the game. Like if we when we needed to come back when West Ham after West Ham scored, I, I slightly thought he might go. You know, more uh, less. He might go four at the back or something, but he didn't. He stuck with it, and it worked, and we and we won the game. But I wonder whether eventually, I mentioned this last week. I wonder whether eventually he wants to play four three three in the similar way to Man City, and 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 you know, there it would be easy, and there it's easier to find where your creative midfield um, slots in. I, I think, yeah, for sure. There, there's it's about trying to fit with the system and and, and the formation. But I think if you look at our um, our bench against West Ham. Um, apart from Pepe coming on, I'm, I didn't see really where much options. And Ketia was just a straight swap for Lacazette, and it was fantastic that it worked out. But I'm pretty sure Lacazette would be in the exact same position that that, that Eddie was. But we do we we lack those options coming off from the bench that can really change a game um, when it when we're up against it. We were up against it big time against against West Ham and. 
you know, for, for me, Pepe, yeah, that's fantastic. But there's really not many other attacking options that we could have brought on to really change it. So, um, you know, we need to bring in more more players. So if we can, great. Um, and thankfully, you know, it, it's not for us to make that decision who starts. Yeah, fair enough. Um, OK, let's take a quick break. And after this, we'll talk more about, um, a little bit more about the game on Saturday and more about what I think is an intriguing team selection issue for the, uh, the um, Carabao Cup on Wednesday. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back from the break. Um... Before, let's wrap up the, the discussion of the game, the game on Saturday. Josh, have you, I mean... Gareth's right. There is the cliche about you know, you know, winning teams play badly and win. But I thought I do think there's something kind of. I think there's something really promising about the fact, as he did, he said like, you know, you learn a lot from a defeat like that and all that. And he was talking about how he was kind of really happy about the way that we found a way to win. And I think I mean, I'm not comparing us to Liverpool. I, I, let me say this now, but there is Liverpool played quite badly every now and then. In, even in their, you know, in their in their win last year, in their winning league last year, in a, quite a similar way to the way we played badly against West Ham, or at least West Ham was surprisingly good. So all in all, like I don't feel it's much of a setback that we had one av- average, deeply average performance all round. How do you feel about it? I, I feel the same. I, I was surprised in a way seeing Arteta celebrate so aggressively at the final whistle. I don't know if you noticed, but he really was giving it the big one, which often you see managers do when they want to get the crowd behind them and sort of play. But there's no crowd here. This just looked genuine. He looked genuinely delighted that his team had ground out a victory that, you know, Oli alluded to performances at the start of last season, which ultimately led to managerial change. But it didn't feel like at points last season we were going to find a way you know, to win the game. And yeah, look, West Ham, I think, yeah, a lot of people have been paying compliments to them. I think I said on the end of the podcast last week, I I do actually think they'll be fine this season. And yeah, there's been problems and the club captain coming out so publicly against the sale of a player is not ideal preparation for them. But I think they are not for a a solid mid-table Premier League outfit. And and they gave a great account of themselves. For us, we're going to have games like this. And don't forget, you know, you've lost a player in the warm-up. Um, we are a little bit restricted in terms of options to, you know, come off come off the bench. We've got, um, you know, Miss, you know, Miss, obviously Mustafi, you know, probably would have been ahead of a Kalazanac, you know, to play. Pablo Mari might have been ahead of him. Um, you know, Callum Chambers might as well be be ahead of him. So you've got to remember this is far from a you know perfect team that we're able to put out at the moment. We are lacking a little bit of options going forward. I guess the only one that in normal times we'd be able to call upon without injuries would be, you know, Martinelli, who was, you know, such a bright light of last season and has now spent such a long time, you know, not really part of the um, Arsenal under Arteta. So I'm probably with you. I'm, I'm willing just to be excited that we're six out of six, which is going to be hugely tested in our next Premier League game. And if we're, you know, if we're if we're still on six, I don't think any of us would be too surprised. So I'm excited. But what do you think, Boyd, is going to happen with this Carabao Cup game? You you mentioned it earlier. What what sort of changes do you expect? Do you think Mesut Ozil is going to play? There's there's a question, and well, we're going to see a debut question. for our Icelandic goalkeeper, maybe. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you, you'd imagine we, he played the new goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, and um, 
you know, I, I think the Ozil's the really interesting question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if put it this way, if he doesn't pick Ozil in the Carabao Cup, then he is fucked, isn't he? I mean, we know we clearly the club, the club, as it, you know, not not necessarily Arteta, but the club wants has been wanted to sell him for, you know, 18 months now and nothing's happening and blah, blah, blah. But if Arteta doesn't pick him in the Carabao Cup, you've got to think. He's got to have a look. I don't know. That's that's a message, isn't it? But do you think, Ollie? Do you think he will pick him in the in the in the in the Carabao Cup, and that that will kind of almost dampen down that issue for a bit? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I, 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 who knows? Who knows? It really is like that, that Ozil conundrum that nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes, except for Arteta and Ozil. I don't even think the the other players really know what's going on. I think it will be, you know, it's one of those things where I think he'll look at the squad and he'll assess who he's got available. And if he has to, if he really, really has to, then he'll he'll put him in. But he probably thinks to himself, I just don't need it. I just don't want to play him if I don't have to. But we were talking the other week about the Aston Villa game, um, the the, the behind closed doors friendly. Um, You know, no one, no, no, no. Nobody knows if he started or didn't start. Who knows? Um, but but he, he he was involved. So so maybe there's something that Arteta says. I'm going to play him in the Carabao games. I'll I'll play him in the Europa League games. I think it'll be good to for for the younger players to to play with him. Yeah. Um, but I think it, I think realistically, Arteta doesn't want to see him in in a match day squad. And well, for the foreseeable future. Gareth, I can see a situation where he picks a um, Niketia, you know, um, Pepe and maybe Willock or someone and does not play um, Ozil. Um, I think it's quite possible, possibly even likely. What do you think? I think it's incredibly likely. I think it's funny because he says about not knowing about what people think players don't think. Let's not get this wrong. I have on very good advice. Ozil is deeply unpopular within our squad at the moment. Like he's gone from being someone that was very well liked to being not ostracized, but definitely that he is on the outside. He's there's various things that he's done in terms of behavior. Together, uh, it, it isn't quite Gwendozi levels of tweeting holiday snaps uh, same day as the FA Cup final, but he's definitely not as loved as he was. I think I will be intrigued. The only reason why I think we'll play a remotely strong team midweek is to see it as a another opportunity, a tuning exercise, a pre-season friendly, a, an opportunity for certain players to get some minutes under their belt. I would think, and actually at least we're not Spurs with, what, three games within six days or something where they've got to play League Cup. We've only got this one game in the week. Um, they've got to play Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday or whatever. Have they not, Josh? You're shaking your head. Well, Leighton Orin, who are a team <laughs> I, I do like, and the second team have had a real problem today with an outbreak of coronavirus cases ah, um, amongst oh, yeah. the squad. Yeah. Um, and uh, it looks like certainly that match can't take place at Brisbane Road, which is... Uh, so it's a hell of yeah. a mess and a big big shame for Leighton Orin if... Um, I must admit, I haven't seen the very latest on that story. I, no, I desperately want to have a look. But uh, I I'm don't think sure it's going to happen. Jose would, would be delighted for that game to be yeah, uh, I say, to be going to be getting pulled off, certainly. Yeah, I mean, sadly. Yeah. I think, yeah. It, it, yeah, I was too I was too tuned in to our Icelandic goalkeeping announcement <laughs> to see what else was going on. By the way, on the subject of the, the Icelandic goalkeeping, did you see that actually he is an Arsenal fan? Like, and not, and yes. not necessarily, and not necessarily yes. one who was covered Since boyhood. Yeah, not so covers himself in glory with some of his previous social media posts uh, about our previous, as in Arsene Wenger management rather than... Anyway, but I think that he... Um, anyway, ignoring the goalkeeper thing, I think the Carabao Cup squad will give an opportunity for, you're right, the likes of Willock. There is n- zero point us playing Ozil because it's not going to tell us anything we don't already know. It's mm. not going to allow him to get tuned up for further games because he's... You're right. He he's not going to be welcome in a match day squad um, until he leaves. Um, certainly not in an elite competition. So it makes much more sense to play those young players alongside maybe some experience. But I don't necessarily think we need to play the likes of Pepe. I would I would be prefer to see a lot of what the other twenty threes the those players who are on the cusp of it because 
and I know this is disrespecting a cup competition, but really hand on heart, League Cup, is it one of those that we, we, we will be devastated to go out of? No. It's oh, no, I don't give a shit about it. No, I don't no, give a shit about it. I, so I think Arteta probably does. I, doesn't he, he seems to like, he played quite strong teams, I think, didn't he? But in, in, in the cup games, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, actually, if you think of Arteta, obviously, when he was with Manchester City, he saw Pep take this competition very yes. seriously. Right. So yeah, they love it, yeah. So, you know, I think Man City won it three, three years in a row. Yeah, but City, um, City, yeah. Sorry, City squad can allow for that to happen where they can play a reserve team that's still better than 90% of Premier League teams. And interesting, talking about squad size, this is the one thing I wanted to get in before this pod finishes because I think this is actually it's linked to something that Nuno Espirito Santo said about Wolves and the fact that he caps his squad at under 24 players. He doesn't want a squad bigger than that because you lose the togetherness, you lose that camaraderie, and he would rather have tired players than players who are fragmented by sort of not playing very often, not feeling like they're loved. And I think that when Josh was listing the centre-back options we could have earlier on, it it made my eyes water in a way because it's like not one of them is someone I'd be like, oh, great, they're playing. But we've got four or five Pretty average centre-backs. And I think the biggest bit of transfer business we could do and most successful we could do is, similar to the Martinez thing, and I know that it was slightly contentious, my hugely inflated price thing, I think that we wouldn't, we'd have struggled to get five million for him before his run in the team. So let's let's be realistic that that, that run of form, and he's a good goalkeeper. He's not as complete a goalkeeper as I know, and I think it's, it's the right bit of business to do. But this is where we need someone to be able to sell the likes of Mustafi, sell the likes of Kalasinac, where actually it trimmed our squad down, the fat's trimmed off the squad, and we can get that feeling of togetherness. Arteta has clearly instilled in a much larger squad, but there's only so long you can keep those fringe players happy if they're not player and if they've got an ego, and that's the problem with Ozil. Well, I think the other problem with our squad players is that half of them are injured. Mari's out, Mustafi's <laughs> out, um, Tierney's out. So that you know, um, not that he's a squad player, but your you, your back four is probably just going is going to have to stay the same pretty much. Uh, Chambers is out, so you're going to have to play Kalasinac. You're going to have to play Saliba will start, I assume. But who who who's going to partner him? Holding and another first teamer. I I I can't see anyone else. We don't. Have yeah, I think I agree depth. with you. Yeah, I think he'll play Louise probably in Saliba, and yeah, maybe you know, maybe holding or something. I, I agree with that. But do, do you think? I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, just one more thing about the Urza situation. If, if so, we, we kind of agreed that it's probably more likely that you won't pick him. Or, you know, it's unlikely. But so that doesn't affect anything, does it? Really, apart from the Urza obsessive fan boys and girls who kind of will be banging on about that. So, in, uh, what I'm asking really is, do you want him to pick him? I don't. I, I'm quite happy not to pick him. Basically, I think. Well, we don't have a big squad, Boyd. And, uh, you know, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks, well, he's taking a lot of money out of the club. He's going to be there for this season, right? It, it seems like if he was going to leave the club, there'd be more smoke about it. I mean, there isn't any rumours whatsoever about him leaving the club. And everything that's come out from their camp is digging their heels in. We are here for the season. We want to play unmatched fit. So if he's going to be around the club this year, we are in Europe. We may only have one game in the Carabao Cup. We may have more. We're going to have some FA Cup games, you know, later in the season. With the, not lack of options, but, you know, with not a massive squad and, you know, well, European football right, as well. Though. I think he's going to have to play. Oh, no, I think Gab's right in what he's saying. That if you, we've got plenty of young players who could, you know, he, we've, got, we've got loads of players he could pick. Um, Smith up front. Rowe can come in. Yeah, he's Nelson. Yeah. Exactly. Smith Rowe's also injured at the minute. I, I no. think if he. He could play. Listen, I'm, I'll tell you, he could play. Hang on. Hang on. He didn't have to involve him in that friendly against Villa. And I know we're going back to it, but why even bother? Why bother? He didn't have to do it then. He could have called. You well, know, who knows? Academy. Who knows? Why? So, and there could be all kinds of political reasons why. I agree that tomorrow is a uh, sorry. The game um, against Leicester is a huge statement of whether we're going to bother seeing him at all. Because uh, you, what you said is correct. If we don't see him this week when he's fit, when he's been training, when there are injuries around the squad, then yeah, you question when when on earth we would see him this season. But I would like to see him play. I would. 
But okay. I wonder He's... if, because we know we know we're playing Liverpool next. If we beat Leicester, which is also quite an interesting way to sort of assess how you how you play out the team potentially. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good well, point. Yeah, that's great. My theory on the Ozil thing, by the way, and you, what I found hilarious is Arsenal's social channels with the kit launches, not all of them, admittedly, but a lot of wishing Mesut Ozil happy birthday, lots of pro... There is that He's still a marketable asset. And that's a weird thing about... The, we, are, we are a football club, we're also a business. And kits don't sell themselves. And you mentioned about the obsessive Ozil fanboys is there is still a huge swathe of Arsenal fans and there's still areas of the country... Uh, of, the, of, the, of the world, sorry, not the country, areas of the world, where he is probably our most recognisable player. He is well-loved. I mean, you, you go particularly Turkey yeah. in those sort of areas. So I think that yeah. we, we would be green to think that one of the reasons for Ozil's occasional face popping up is anything other than marketing. I do not think it's anything to do with the playing squad. And I think that it might even have been under some duress. And that's maybe why it's the only game that wasn't filmed where he played, you know what I mean? Like it was like the yeah. has been playing, Spike has been playing, but actually nothing yeah. was really said about it. I just again You think it's that cynical of, in a way? Uh, well I've spent a lot I mean we've spent a lot of time talking about it. It's one of those things with lot with, with, with my other sporting mates and what's like I genuinely try and shut down conversations because I don't think there's anything positive to try and sort of forensically examine it. Like it's sad that he is no longer at the heart of what we do. Interestingly his skill set is what we are probably most missing. But I am bored by this, and I really, really want oh, us well, to, to move on. Apologies. Yeah, right. You could have, you, right. you could have, you could have cl- tried to close it down about twenty minutes ago. But um, let me just say, I don't find it boring. I find it absolutely fascinating because there are so many. I was, this is my explanation of why we've been spent the last 10, 15 minutes talking about it. I think it's fascinating because, as you say, there's so. I think there are so many levels to it. There are some people who think that the reason why um, we've kind of frozen him out is because of what he said about China. And the and, and you know um, and the Muslims and all of that and the, you know standing up for the Muslims in China who are which is a disgraceful situation that was a brilliant thing for him to do. There are some people I've seen people claim that the uh, the, the club freezing him out because of that. I've seen people say that um, your you know your theory that, that the rest of the players really don't like him anymore because it's become so self self obsessed and self absorbed. Um, it could be the the wages thing that he was the only one who didn't you know didn't go along with the wage. There's so many. And, uh, so that's what that's my depth, that's my justification. Well, explanation, I don't have to justify myself. It's my fucking podcast. <laughs> All right. But I, I find it fascinating, the Ozil situation. I and I hope that in at some point in the future, you know, in, in two or three years' time, when maybe he writes a book or someone writes a book, you know, maybe Arsene Wenger, Arsene Wenger's book's out soon. I want someone to ask him what the fuck is going on with him. He must know. It's I think it's really interesting. So anyway, but, but that's 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 my explanation of that. We're running out of time, and of course we've got two games to predict. Uh, Josh, exciting times in the prediction yeah. situation. The uh, very difficult the to know what's going to happen in the Carabao Cup. So I'm going to come to everyone for their Carabao Cup prediction um, against Leicester and the big one, Monday Night Football. Against Liverpool. Uh, first of all, I'd like to point out that I can't conceive of us beating Liverpool again, considering we've beaten them the last two times we played them. But I'm going to let Gareth go first with his predictions of what's going to happen in those games. So, so actually, interestingly, I think the Leicester one's harder to predict because we've just struggled to predict what the, <laughs> the makeup makeup of our team will be. I think um, actually going away, obviously both of them are away games. I actually see us getting edged out in the week, but I'd hope it would be another opportunity to play some of those younger players, play the likes of Reese Nelson, get them some minutes that if they are called upon um, in our Premier League campaign and Europa League, et cetera, they're, they're able to be more at the right tempo. So I think we might lose 2-1 to Leicester. Um, and then Harbinger of Doom. Um, I think that I can't see us winning at Anfield. Um, I always hoped that that kind of, I'm convinced myself, won't do it, won't do it. That part of my brain's going, but maybe if you say we can't so many times, we might. But um, I think actually we will do very well to the other tails up, certainly having beaten Chelsea, their front three is clicking. I th- what I want to see from next week's game is another solid performance, a performance where actually the players play for each other. We are going to see possession a lot, so it's not going to be a fun watch. Um, who knows if we can get a game on the break, if we can expose some of their shortcomings, which they do have some, um, then 
the, the chance we've got of winning is to score early and hang on for d- dear life or, or score within the first half hour, let's say. I think we'll get edged again, but not by my. It's not going to be another one of those like that awful game where Firmino got a hat trick. And I, I think we we will give a good account of ourselves. But I think again, it might be a, a pair of two ones to the opposition. Sorry, guys. Well, I'm glad we've got some specific scores from you in the end, though. That's that's the main thing. Um, Ollie, <laughs> Ollie, what's your feeling? Yeah, I'm going to go doom and gloom as well, like Gareth. Um, I don't think I don't think we're going to win either game. I think the I think I think it's great opportunity for Leicester to to, to win a trophy. Um, so I, I think they'll go all out for, for the win. Um, personally, on that one, um, so I think we'll, we'll I think we'll lose two 0 um, on uh, when is it Wednesday Tuesday? Who yeah. knows? Um, Not on TV um, either, outrageously. Um, I think there's so many games, isn't there? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair. Uh, and Liverpool, again, I like Gareth, I just like a performance. I, I don't want the last three or four seasons of, of going to, to Liverpool where we just we just lose 3-1, 4-1. Um, I'd love to see us compete, um, but we will still lose. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm going to go for a 2-1 loss. Okay. Josh, any positivity from you? I mean, bearing in mind, I guess that with Liverpool, like fucking um, Thiago, I mean, he was he would, did look instantly great, didn't he? I mean, he had a brilliant game, and um, he was like the one missing. If there is a missing piece in the Liverpool jigsaw, he is it. He's also like the fucking player we need as well. How, how did they? Anyway, I mean, don't get me started. How did they got him for like twenty million or something? Outrageous situation. But Josh, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I don't think I can offer huge positivity. Unsurprisingly. I, I think with Leicester, there's no, you know, we're, we're talking, Ollie mentioned there about how it'll be a nice trophy for them to win, a bit slightly patronizingly, potentially. I mean, they're a better club than us right now in terms of sort of Premier League performance. So I, I don't know. It'd be interesting also what sort of team they put out. I mean, they'll be bringing in a couple of, uh, of players as well. I think we can take Leicester to penalties. I'm going to go Arsenal to win on penalties. We, we had a bit of good fortune with penalties in the Community Shield. At Anfield, I think we'll lose, but I think we'll put in a, a credible performance. I, c- I can see a couple of goals going our way, but we've let in huge amounts of goals over, over the last, what, six, seven years at Anfield. I'm going to go 4-2 to Liverpool. Boy, Dad. Ollie, would you like... Ollie, would you like to respond to the Gone, yeah, the patronising yeah. comment. Yes, please. You, you, have, have, your, have your response. <laughs> then you can do your predictions, boys. Um, you are semi-right. Probably they are in a better position <laughs> than us club-wise. However, just like our neighbours down the road, there are some clubs that just need a trophy to to put all their performances and everything they've done into Ollie. sort of... Yeah. They won a Premier League like four years ago. It's not You can't compare them to Tottenham. Come on. <laughs> I'm comparing Brendan Rodgers a um, couple of seasons at, at Leicester and I think that he would like to, to have a little trophy to remember that by. And I think if you were to, well, I think the, the end of last season for, for Leicester was a big disappointment not getting that fourth spot. And uh, I can't see them challenging for the Champions League again this season. So I just think a trophy, FA Cup or early Cup for Leicester wouldn't go amiss. Still quite patronising, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. Um, I think, by the way, I was going to mention that I, my theory that I mentioned last week, that I think we stand a chance of coming forth because I still feel the Man U and Chelsea managers have not got the nous that our managers got. And I think the events of the weekend helped prove that. Gareth is nodding. Thumbs up from Gareth, just listener. listener. So I want to say that in passing. Um, as for my predictions... Um, I think I agree. I agree with uh, Josh that I think we might win on penalties against Leicester. Actually, I think that'll be. I think that'll be a close game. So I'm going to say two all, and we'll win on penalties. And then I also think we'll lose to Liverpool. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go three two. I think it could be a thriller. Thriller on Monday night football, and um, hopefully we'll be back here on Tuesday to talk about it. So uh, let me thank um, the. The absolute legend. I'm going to use the word again. Gareth the Bear Parker. Um, uh, where, you, I'll, you I'll, think ta- about I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, take that. Um, thanks very much uh, for joining. Sorry about all the technical issues. This, if this 
podcast, everyone listening, sounds slightly more stilted than usual. Even more stilted than usual. It's because it took us about 20 even minutes more just to get awkward. the... <laughs> even more awkward. It took us about 20 minutes to get the fucking thing working um, and recording at the start. So thank you to Gareth. Thank you to Ollie. Thank you. Thanks for having me and Gareth. Um, and yeah, Boydo, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to plug a second podcast here. I know you are the king of being on multiple podcasts, but it is the return of the Great British Bake Off uh, tomorrow oh, evening. Yes. And my, my other podcast, The Bake Down, which reviews the Great British Bake Off that I do with a couple of former contestants, um, is, is going live Wednesday morning. So if you love The Bake Off, I'm not sure what crossover there is, but if there's anyone out here, then, well, uh, then let's do it. Just search The Bake Down. I'll tell, Josh, I'll tell you, Matt Josh, Lucas, mid, Matt mid, middle class fans. Middle class fans. Yeah. A, that, yeah. That's a big, big, big wedge in the middle of that Venn diagram. So don't you worry. There'll be lots of people rightly tuning in. And and Arsenal, very, very famous Arsenal supporter, staunch Arsenal supporter, Matt Lucas, yeah. the new host, who is excellent. I've seen the first episode and I can confirm that Matt does a brilliant job. Um, and uh, it's great. Thank you to Ollie. Thank you to Josh. Uh, thank you to Gareth the Bear. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.